All right. I'm so excited. I have Chris Haddad on here. And Chris, we're going to just start with the question. We're going to dive right in. Chris, when most copywriters try storytelling, which yeah. you are legendary at, mm. they kind of suck, especially if they try to make it emotional. Yeah. So um, why do you think most copywriters suck so bad? <laughs> at emotion? Um, I think a lot of copywriters suck so bad in emotion for a couple of reasons. One of which is that copywriters really like to hide behind our keyboards and not go out in the world too much and all that other kind of shit. Uh, and I think a lot of copywriters also, we've been through a lot of trauma. We tend to be kind of the misfit, you know, an island of misfit toys and you have to be willing to kind of address your own trauma and see it. But I think the main thing people don't understand about storytelling, I think for emotional storytelling for copy and the way I do it is that my stories are not really about what happens at all. Right. If you actually read through my stories, very little actual, like from a plot standpoint, very, very little happens. But like with the story is, it's not about what happens. It's about how what happens is affecting the actual character who's going through it or the narrator who's going through it. It's that emotional richness on the inside. That's why I usually tell all my stories first person, by the way, because I want to be able to have access to like really telling the audience all of the emotions that the character is going through so they can identify with them as much as possible. And, you know, because people, people will buy from you if they like you and if they feel like you understand them. That's, that's the, the, the number one thing I keep teaching people. It's even less about your product than it is about buying you at that point. These are the proven direct response marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Furr, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. All right, episode's done. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was, uh, I've been, wow. I've, been doing the, I've been doing this for a while, you know, so shit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, um, that's excellent. So uh, getting to the more formal intro of yeah. the um, of the podcast, this is totally selfish. Like I've respected Chris as a copywriter for a long time, but we've never really connected. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I read Chris's storytelling copy, it totally sucks me in. Even when it's not targeted at me, I want to read it. And uh, Chris, you've made some money off of me, not just like copywriting niche, but uh, in the romance niche. Oh yeah, what did you uh, buy? Because Ah, uh, let's see. Text the romance back was one of them good for program, sure. Man, it's a good program. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's just pulls you in and just makes you yeah. want to like, mm. <laughs> thank you very um, much. I greatly appreciate it. It is nice to be, um, I, 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 I went through a lot of mental health issues. I still do actually, but for a while there. And because of that, I had really low self-esteem for a really long time because my brain kept telling me these things and coming back into business and feeling when I go to conferences and when I do this stuff, feeling the respect that people have for me in the business is really very profound. It means a lot when I, when people say that kind of thing, it's nice to feel like I've had some impact or some, uh, that people have learned some shit from my things over the years. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is off the chart. So, um, you know, the, the formal bio Chris has generated, yeah. um, over $700 million in trackable online sales. Um, mm -hmm. and let's see, he started freelance. He had an unbeatable 10 year VSL control for the Pimsleur approach, which yeah. grew to a hundred million dollar a year company multiple ClickBank number ones, Barton Publishing, you helped them basically from early around their launch period up to $10 million plus per year with multiple VSLs. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay Dybol, tens of millions of dollars uh, made with him. And then you said, I'm going to do my thing. And, yeah. and you created- Because being a freelancer sucks, man. Like ultimately this is, I mean, not to be- um... I am extremely, so yeah, basically the short version, I was, I'll, I'll fill in there. I eventually turned into somebody else. I, I started this Michael Fiore thing as a relationship advice expert, and I built my own eight-figure business uh, doing that, going on television as somebody else, writing books, like Text the Romance back and, and all of that stuff. And that was what got me to a point that I'm, 
you know, reasonably wealthy. I'm not like, you know, I know many people who are way richer than I am, but uh, as far as copywriters, I've done pretty fucking damn well at this point. And that was largely because I was able to eventually move out of being a freelancer into being an offer owner and being an entrepreneur myself. And what the, the, the thing that made that possible for me was finally getting over this bullshit in my head that was telling me I was just a copywriter. Cause I think that's a really easy trap that a lot of us can fall into. Like we we're just the keyboard jockey behind everything and can't actually make those bigger decisions. Okay. That's so, so that's interesting. And I was going to talk about kind of the career career trajectory stuff later, yeah, but this, this identity of like, just a, just a copywriter. Um, what, what was that transition like? I mean, you, you are still one of the world's best copywriters, especially sure. in this, this like emotional in my in my niches, there are very few people that can beat me. Yeah, in in the in the in my lane, there are very few people that can ever beat. Me. It happens yeah. occasionally because you know when, when nobody hits uh, home runs every time. But as far as the stuff that I find interesting, yeah. But it, but at some point, like um, it, it, I've studied plenty of like identity development stuff, psychology, mm -hmm. personal growth, and there's there's this process that we go through of like death and rebirth, right? Mm -hmm. um, the metaphor of the phoenix. So so this identity of being just a copywriter died, yeah. mm -hmm. and what what was that transition like and what was the new identity that you felt like you grew into so the, the story i tell about how i ended up deciding not to be and again freelancing changed my life i never want to like i i shit on it a little bit the same way that john carlton does because john used to do that too he used to talk about like all clients suck and i think yeah. all clients do suck especially when you're your own client honestly because because then you <laughs> suck um as well. But the, the short version is I did a letter for uh, uh, Alan Sultanic, who's a good friend of mine, who you've probably heard of, and J.D. Yeah. Bolt, who was his partner at the time, about 11 years ago now, because we're old men now. Um, and that letter, they paid me 25 grand to do the letter. And I read it, did it in about six hours, because I can do that, or I, could, you know, I still can do that. And that's good money, man. That's good fucking money. I'm not going to complain about that. When I was in my mid twenties, I never thought I'd make more than 40 grand a year, like et cetera. But they went on and made like $10 million in sales in like a month and a half. Right. And I talked to Jay and I'm like, Hey man, send me a bonus. And Jay, I, I give him shit for this. Whenever I talk to him and I say, thank you. He sent me $5,000. Right. And $5,000 is still a lot of money, you know, inflation, whatever. But it just kind of like, it, it convinced me. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, man? I need my own stuff. I need something of my own that I can do. I've made all these other people really, really rich. And yeah, I make a couple hundred grand a year, but I'm not making myself rich. I'm not making myself secure. I still have a fucking job, right? Like, yeah. even though I didn't have a boss, I still had a job. I still had people I had to be accountable to. And really, like, it just pissed me off to the point that I was like, okay, I got to go out and start doing my own thing. And I had to, like, you know, Jeff Walker was a mentor of mine. And he pulled me aside at one point. And he even was like, why are you still behind the scenes? Why are you being the guy behind everything instead of actually being out there? Because I had spoken on his stage and things like that. But it was largely just this identity I had that I was just the guy who could write the copy. There's no way I could run a business. There's no way that I could, like, deal with all the, like, learn affiliate marketing and do this and do that and all that stuff. And here's the deal. I learned a lot of things when I started my own offers. I became a much better copywriter when I started my own offers because when it's your uh, money and your balls on the table, you learn your shit really, really, really quickly. But I also learned that if you get really, really good at the copy and the that stuff, you can hire other people to do the other things. Like, I, I don't run my business, right? I am not a business yeah. person. I am not even really the CEO. I'm the I am the product in my business more than anything. And then Mike Helikakis, who's been with me for like a decade now, actually does all the, the gritty steps. For people that are like afraid that like you're gonna be stuck doing all the stuff in the business, yeah, for a while, but hopefully if you're good enough, you can get other people to come in and handle that shit.
Awesome. So it was just like that one, that one project where it was a big success and it broke. And, and then it's just like, I'm, I'm going to figure this out, you know, yeah, it just, there, it just there's no option. Yeah. It just got me yeah. off my ass to actually do a product. Right. Cause I had, um, I had, I had talked about it before. I had actually tried to do a best man speech thing years before that just never went anywhere. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Good product though. Um, but then I was just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to get something done. And I was in a little phone mastermind, uh, thing at the time. I don't think it was even video at the time. Cause again, I'm old, but, uh, and I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to get it done. And so I created my product, text your wife into bed in like two weeks. I think I just, I just sat down and created this thing and got it done and put it up on ClickBank. I had no idea what I was doing. And then like, like a week or two later, all of a sudden I woke up one morning, and I had $700 that I didn't have the day before. Right. And I was like, yeah. Oh my, and I was like, I am addicted to this already. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I was, I literally made money while I was sleeping. Right. And that was yeah. because I, I wasn't sitting there just typing things out and doing, you know, I, I had gotten, um, uh, I had gotten residuals and things like that from people before quite, quite good money as well, but I don't have control over that kind of thing. And as I yeah. say in my own, my own stuff, if you watch like my, if I wasn't rich, I'd be dead speech and some other things. If I had stayed freelancing, I'd probably be dead right now. I, I cannot see how I would have navigated the, things I personally went through over the last decade or so, if I had had to worry about paying the goddamn bills and like trading money for time, there's no way I could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I have it in my notes to come back to that. I do want to talk a lot about the skill of copywriting throughout this. So, Absolutely. um, I can uh, talk forever. So you just feel, you yeah, feel yeah. free to, bu to bump in whenever well, you need that, <laughs> uh, like you, you're known for, you know, what you, what you ended up calling the pig method, the punch yeah. in the gut, emotional story. Method, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, storytelling method. Yeah. Um, so what, what is your, all right. Uh, what's your biggest aim with that? And, um, you, like you always come out of the gate swinging. So what do you focus on, uh, in terms of your writing thinking as you're writing your first three to 500 words or whatever you can so, so a couple of quick things. One, I don't write the first three or three to 500 words until the end, usually quite honestly. Um, okay. something I teach people all the time, actually, that I think is very, very valuable. Um, speed, it's basically speed copywriting stuff. I'm known for being, I write very, very quickly when I, when I want to write quickly, right? I usually don't sit down at the keyboard until I'm ready to write fast because writing fast is where the energy comes from. And usually what I do is I start writing the easy stuff first, right? Cause people always try to write the hard stuff first. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Cause then you don't yeah. do anything until the hard stuff is done. Uh, so instead I write the bullets, right? I write the okay. pr the price justification is going to be pretty much the same thing every single time. The close is going to be very, very similar every single time, right? All of that stuff's going to be done. And then you get that down on the page. And while that's happening, the back of your brain is hopefully crunching and crunching and crunching on your ideas and your mechanisms and story ideas and all those kind of things, what the stories are that you got from the, and, you know, the, the, the client, all that kind of stuff. And then you can go back and actually write it from there. But the biggest thing I'm trying to figure out especially if I'm doing a story lead, right? Because I am known for doing story leads and I'm very, yeah. very good at it. I do not always do story leads, right? There are, uh, there, I don't even, there's some letters I don't even really tell very many stories in. You know, it's a whole different kind of thing. It's more of a webinar style kind of thing, but I'm very good at the story leads. But for me, I'm just thinking about that moment. I'm thinking, you know, what was it? I was looking at one. Oh yeah, that's what it was. A friend of mine sent me a letter that he wanted me to do a little work on. He, he pays me if I can beat his um, his uh, uh, lead, and I usually do, and it's nice and it's easy money. Um, but the lead that he showed me was like it was like about this wedding embarrassment thing, and it's like oh my god, a bridesmaid or my dress ripped, and I was like okay, you kind of think you know what that story is, but the story they had was the dress ripped while she was getting out of her car before the wedding, and you're like 
like that's not where's the anguish yeah. there where's the humiliation there where's the like oh no she had to like i don't know like get some some thread and sew it up or something so obviously i rewrote it and i rewrote it so that the thing rips during the wedding or in, i mean it's in that kind of like thing where there's actually some exquisite pain to it right but finding those moments of exquisite pain is the difficult part finding things like he kissed me like his sister and I knew I was alone again. Uh, or um, what's one of my favorites? Uh, Cassidy, look what you did to my dick. That's one of my favorites that I've ever written in my entire life for a hand job. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, um, I, yes, you're going to have to put the uh, swearing uh, warning thing on your thing. I don't even do it on purpose. I just uh, find myself doing it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, for me, it's all about that. Like, what is the truth? Uh, what is the truth of the emotion? What is the truth of the pain? What is the truth? Of, what is What is your prospect actually feeling about this problem? And that is scary stuff. Like when I, in my course, the pig method course, the pig method.com, um, I, the, a lot of it is me teaching people how to not be afraid of your own emotions and not be afraid of your own pain. Like, I mean, I don't know you very well, Roy at all, but I, I think Roy fur is an awesome name, but I'm sure you've been through plenty of shit in your life. I'm sure you've been, had yeah. the crap beat. Out. I mean, you're 40, you've had the shit beat out of you, right? Like, like in ways that I'm sure would curl my chest hair even more. And people, um, when people ask me what story do you should you tell in your sales letter, I always say tell the story that terrifies you to tell. Tell the story that you don't want to tell that you think if you told this story and you were in high school, you would get beat up by the football team, right? Like that's the story you tell because that's where the vulnerability comes from and that's where the truth comes from, right? And yeah, it's interesting. I talk about truth and like I, I do, I mean, like, you know, I always say my stories are based on a true story, but obviously not every single moment of every single thing is going to be the thing. But the real truth I'm going for is always going to be the the emotion of it, the pain, the what is what is it like to be a woman who uh, whose husband just doesn't look at her anymore and instead is on his phone all the time and masturbating to porn? What is she feeling as a person when she looks at herself in the mirror or whatever? Like getting into that. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm a large, hairy, so, 45 year old man, but I'm real good at pretending I'm a, a, a good <laughs> 45 year old woman. Let me tell you. Yeah. So so this really reminds me of like uh, the 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 hero's two journeys, which was a. Yep. Uh, inspiration for me in terms of storytelling and thinking about the internal versus external um, yep. journey. Um, so like where, where have you studied storytelling beyond just like copywriting books? Yeah. So and, my back, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I oh, and then, and then like, what's the, what's that adaptation? I, I guess to some degree you've already, you've already talked about the adaptation that it's um, mm -hmm. not much happens in your story. Yeah. I mean, things happen, but it's the same story every time, honestly, like, and I teach it's that like in the course. I mean, look at, look at Harry, look at Harry Potter and look at Star Wars. It's the same fucking story, right? It's the exact yeah. same fucking story. You look at any of my sales letters. If you, if you're analytical at all, you break it down and it's the same fucking story every single time, but it's, but it's about what emotions and what beats you're kind of putting in it that are, that are the really important part. Um, I forgot exactly what was the, what was the first part of your question there? I forgot. Like where have you studied storytelling? Oh yeah. So my background, um, you know, I grew up in Graf Grafton, Massachusetts, why I talk like this. Um, and, uh, I was always a sensitive kid and I was always kind of good at writing, but I grew up in a situation where that was like, I didn't know any professional writers of any kind, right? There's like, yeah. you can't write for a living. I'm in central Massachusetts. That's just not what you do. Uh, and, but I, you know, I did theater stuff a little bit. I acted a little bit when I was younger. I was never a very good actor, but that experience made me good at being myself on stage, which is like, I play myself on stage quite often these days. And it's really quite fun. It's fun pretending to be me. Yes. Um, and then I studied, uh, screenwriting a little bit in college. I wrote some plays and like, you know, storytelling has been something that I've, uh, it's funny. It's, it's really interesting because I still don't think I'm very good at it, which is really, really yeah. 
right? Like, I mean, maybe it's the imposter complex or whatever, but I look at these things and people's people, enough people have told me I'm really good at it that I'm like, well, I must be good at it, I guess. But I still don't feel that. I still feel like, I still in some ways feel like the frustrated 23 year old who thought he was going to go off and be a screenwriter in Hollywood, but had no (laughs) self-esteem. Yeah. Well, I I feel like, I feel like part of that leads to like, I I remember getting this lesson from Carlton um, that if you ask enough questions to any successful person, you're yeah. going to find that 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 place of insecurity or like Absolutely. who they're trying to prove wrong, like somebody yeah. in their background. Like mm-hmm. when I when I was uh, when I when I was a, a freshman in high school, I uh, I had actually just gotten in trouble for uh, borrowing a little bit of uh, writing off the Internet. Ah, um, I see. And, and that was like a separate teacher, a separate class mm-hmm. but then i wrote a story in english and the english teacher said this is this is um too good for a, a freshman oh, in no. high school but you actually so i'm sure it. that you plagiarized yeah. it yeah oh, no. and and like there were there were a couple things like i i had totally slacked and so i didn't turn in like early drafts or anything like that yeah but also i used the word amongst Right. And, and he was like, you can't use amongst. Yeah. She said, she said, she said, uh, like a freshman in high school doesn't correctly use the word amongst. And so then from that point forward, like everything that I wrote in high school, because I was still trying to prove yeah. her wrong, yeah. was amongst. And I, <laughs> I think that, I think that so much of my identity is right. Like I might have been okay as a writer before then, but so much of my identity of like, I'm, I'm a writer came from that. Dude, dude, having a chip on your shoulder is a valuable fucking thing. It really yeah. is. Like I had that when I, you know, I, I've, I talked about this on something I was doing the other day, but like, I used to be driven by my lack of self-esteem. My, my, I know my life sucked in so many ways. I, my wife hated me. I, I was really sick in a variety of ways, but I was good at this, right? I was good at like yeah. going out and getting the goddamn money and writing the letter that did that. And I needed to do that because I needed something to feel good about. And that was really, really valuable. These days it's harder because I'm properly medicated and a lot happier and I have to find other, I really, no, seriously, like I'm just not driven. I'm not trying to prove anything anymore. Like I, I'm like, I've reached a point in my life where I'm like, I've done some shit, you know, whether people do better. I'm not jealous of anybody in any way anymore as far as success goes or anything like that. There's plenty of people that are more successful, but it's harder. It's harder to actually get that hunger when you, when you, when you, when you're not really actually hungry. Yeah. 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 It definitely changes. You have to, you have to find some, some, you have to find motivation elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is interesting. So as, as a freelancer, yeah, I, I'm sure early on in your freelance career, uh, a client would come to you and say, we have this product, we have this offer, yep. this is what we want you to sell. Yep. Um, and so you're, you're coming up with a promotion kind of in response mm-hmm. to that today, I'm sure that you're coming up with a promotion from scratch. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, the, the, um, people maybe, don't come, people do not come to me and say, Hey, here's the product. Will you sell it? Will you help yeah, me? Yeah. Well, so people come so to me and say, Hey, here's the idea for the products. Do you think it's worth selling? And then we talk about it. Yeah. Well, what, what's your process of like, um, coming up with the copy itself, the marketing itself, um, tied to like the product creation, all of that. And how, and how's that changed through time? Yeah, I have a, I've actually have a whole course where I, I taught that years ago and I'm actually going to put it back out at some point. But for me, it's all about the name. You know, I really encapsulate a lot in the name of the product. I think about the name of the product because to me, the name of the product needs to communicate everything about it. The name of the product should sell the product all by itself, right? Text to the, yeah, text yeah. To the romance back. What does that teach you how to do, right? <laughs> like, you, you know, you know, the mechanism, 
you know, the, uh, the, the, the result that we're hoping to get you like all that kind of shit. It's really kind of there. Make him worship you. Well, I think I know what that's going to be about. Right. Like I think about that kind of stuff a lot, um, before I kind of do anything else. And then usually the product will grow out of that. There have been times we've done something first and then renamed it. Like uh, I think actually our hand job product had a whole different name before we made it into stroke of genius, which Mike Helicakis came up with, which I still think is one of the greatest things ever that we have a product called stroke of genius that sells yes. incredibly well when people, when we promote it. Um, but yeah, it's for me, it's just about, I'm always just trying to figure out actually, again, yeah, the course actually has all this stuff where I talk about picking out niches and things like that, but I'm just trying to figure out what is not really being addressed in that niche. Where can I kind of worm my way in? That's going to be either you basically either want to be able to come in like as a sub niche kind of thing where it's like, okay, it's not about getting your ex back, but it's about texting your ex back. Right. Or yeah. if you're going for cold traffic and shit, you want to go the absolute opposite direction and come up with a really broad offer that you can hopefully blow out to the world, which is what make him worship you is right. Cause that's much more of a generic kind of benefit as opposed to like a very kind of specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. I mean, the, the, the title itself of the product becomes, mm -hmm a positioning statement, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're just you're finding the position in the marketplace. And then yeah. and then everything can come from there. Um yeah. and and yeah, I I believe at, at the point that you were doing all the the text products like yeah. I mean today everybody talks about text game sure, or yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yep. But but you were you you just identified that there was this yep. gap. There's this yep. there's this new medium by which you can yep. get the the old, the result that everybody's wanted forever, yep. right? Um, and so, so you created that, that concept. Yeah, because you know, honestly, the story behind that is I was single and I'm a good copywriter and I was sexting with women and I was really good at it. <laughs> like quite, I, yeah. I, I, I discovered that I had a talent for it. Right. Like, and as, uh, as a variety of women, including my wife, well, it's asked, my wife will tell you that my sexting is what actually got us together in the first place. And also sexting bought my house, which is going to be the name of a book at some point, if I ever get around to kind of, kind of doing it. But yeah, it was just like, okay, this is different. This is mechanistically different than what else is out there. This is a thing people haven't really thought of. It was also at the time texting was really, that was when, um, Tiger Woods, I think, got in trouble for texting with porn stars and stuff like that. So it was in the, the, the consciousness in a way that it really hadn't been before. And this idea that we could take, like text the romance back, okay, we're going to take sexting, but we're going to make it romantic was a really powerful positioning for us. That, that's what got me on television. So, Yeah. Huh. Uh, I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, so you talked a little bit about your writing process before. You yeah. talked about... Um, yeah. Okay. So you let's say you have a product name. Uh, you decide it's time to sit down and write some copy. Yeah. Um, and then it sounds like you write kind of in chunks. Yeah. So what do you want to have in place before you start writing? Do, are, is part of that chunking? Do you come up with an outline beforehand, or is is it all? I don't anymore. I don't anymore because I yeah, I've internalized it. Right. Like you know there you know yeah. I'm sure you've heard conscious competence and unconscious competence, etc. Uh, if yes. I if I wanted to, you could give me an something, and I could I could literally just write copy off the top of my head and just talk it to you right now. And I would have no idea what I was saying. You could ask me afterwards, what did you just say? And I'm like, I have no idea what I just said. I hope you recorded it. That's what happens when I do consulting calls with people all the time. Um, but I know the structure. Like, I just know the structure. I know the structure of when I'm creating uh, the pig method or my FOMO formula course that I'm doing or the other stuff. I know the structure of that because I've done it enough times now. Uh, to kind of put it out there earlier on. Yeah, I would outline things a bit, especially in a sales letter. I would write the subheads, right? So I would just kind of like break it down and each and figure out, I would sketch basically, basically what I would do, what I do is I start at the bottom, I do the easy stuff. And then I kind of just sketch things in as we go, 
right? It's almost like uh, being a sculptor where you're just removing, you know, removing shit until suddenly you have, have what you want. I'm just sketching things in, adding sentences, adding things here, and then eventually it kind of comes out. But I am not a linear writer in that way. My buddy Vin Montello, uh, great guy, he, he is much more of the like start at the top and then you end up at the bottom and it looks laborious and horrible to me because I hate the blank page, man. I fucking hate yeah. the blank page like we all do. I and and I'm kind of uh, maybe somewhere in between. I like to I like to start like I have I have formulas that I lean on um, yep. that that I have notes, you know, and so I just copy and paste the notes into the document because I know working from the blank page is is exhausting. Yeah, and then and then I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to identify okay, how is how is this like darkest hour story? How is that represented by what I know about this offer, this product, this yep. person, whoever it is, mm -hmm. or me or whatever? Yeah. Um, and and um, and go from there. Um, that's, that's interesting. Where, where do you think that you learned the, this, this whole process of writing from the bottom up? Do you, do you remember, uh, inspiration or I, it was just, I, you know, uh, writing used to be, I, I'm very ADD and I have bipolar too. And I didn't know that for a really long time. Right. So back yeah. in the day, writing was agony. Writing was like, every time I went to my desk, it was like slitting my wrists and bleeding on the keyboard and, and all that shit. And so I think it came from just like, wanting to have something down that I could work from as opposed to just torturing myself, trying to figure out the headline and torturing. It's interesting because right now, you know, now I just go write. It isn't that big of a deal. I think it's because I don't, my, my ego is not tied into it as much, right? It used to yes. be like, this is who I am. My writing is who I am. Like that is the only thing valuable about me as a human being. Uh, but I think it just came from that. And I, I just seemed like, the, it honestly, it just seems like the more natural way to do it to me. Why would you, uh, why wouldn't you write the easy part first? Like, yeah, why, why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Because then you have something done. <laughs> like, it's great. It's like paying off, you know, you pay off the credit card with the lowest balance first, because then you did it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had credit yeah. card debt in a long time, but still, I hear it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one, of the, one of the approaches. And it's, it's the approach that that's justifies itself through the, um, through the emotional angle. Right? You've accomplished like, something. Um, You've accomplished yeah, yeah. something. So what's something that fascinates you that's not just copywriting, marketing, entrepreneurship? Oh, man. Like I mean, I'm a psychology person. That's what I'm into. I'm into, uh, I, mean, I know way too much about serial killers and cults and narcissists. A friend of mine, actually, uh, we just he just figured out that he's been married to a pretty malignant narcissist for five years. And uh, my wife and I yesterday were like helping to deprogram him from the, the things because we, we both find that stuff really interesting. I do a fair amount of yoga. I play a lot of video games. <laughs> like I really, really like my video games, which I'm, I'm old enough now to just be like, yeah, I like playing video games and I don't feel embarrassed about it at all. So <laughs> uh, yeah, but I live pretty easy. I pretty live a pretty simple life, honestly, but it's uh, largely psychology stuff. That's what, you know, if you look at my YouTube, it's all things about psychology and behavioral psychology and uh, all sorts of crazy, a lot of World War II stuff now because I'm uh, interested in how fascism is taking over the world again, you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, uh, we talked about reality outside of marketing world in a podcast. Ah, how dare we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the psychology, so um, you, you talked about, you, you had some background in drama and writing yeah. um, when you were younger. It, did you go to college? Did, I did you? Yeah, I went to Boston University. Boston University. And what did you study there? So when I first got there, I actually uh, I went to uni University of New Hampshire freshman year and was like a communications major because I didn't really know what to yeah. do. And then I went to BU and I enrolled. I was actually going to be an advertising major because I was like, okay, well I'm creative, but you can't make a living being creative, right? That sounds stupid. I'm yeah. not going to be an author or something. I, I can't be that. And I got into advertising briefly. Didn't really like it. Um, didn't really get it. It was all brand related stuff. And then my dad died when I was 19. 
And uh, after that, I just said, fuck it. And I kind of transferred over to the film and TV department and kind of went down that path. And that's what led me out to Los Angeles, where I you know, tried to kind of do the, the, um, the entertainment industry thing for a little while before realizing that was not for me. I am, I am very, very grateful that I failed in Hollywood uh, every single day. I think I certainly have the talent to be able to, you know, have done well there if I had the mindset at the time and the experience at the time, but I think I'd be miserable if I was still there. Yeah, this is this is way better. I have, you know, like what I do now is I get to be creative. I get to come up with cool shit. I get paid really well for it and I don't have to work all the time. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. And and uh, I I don't know, I feel like the the uh, Hollywood press is a little bit more toxic than me interviewing you on. a. Oh, absolutely. Podcast. I mean, I have a whole <laughs> thing on. I mean, I, I've had the experience of uh, tasting mainstream fame with my Michael Fiore. Yes. Right. And that's really, if I hadn't gotten sick, I probably would have kept going down that path and would have been quote unquote famous as this other person, probably doing more television and things like that. And I'm very grateful that didn't happen as well, because, uh, as far as I can tell, like niche fame is fun, right? Like I go to a copywriting yeah. thing. I'm like Elvis of the copywriting. It's awesome. It's great. It's, it's a fun time. It's great to be like, it's, it's, it's so cool to be able to make people happy just by being a nice human being. Like, it's just, it's the coolest thing in the world. Just like, oh no, I'm not an egotistical asshat. Yes, hello, nice <laughs> to meet you. And they get really happy. And I'm like, this is the greatest gift that you can have in the world to be able to make people happy just by not being a douchebag. But like the mainstream, like I've been recognized on the street as Michael Fiore before. And that freaks me the fuck out. Like that is, that is not cool. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that like mainstream fame is a toxic, toxic thing past a certain point. It'll, Kanye West would be a better human being if he wasn't famous. I imagine the energy that you get when you're encountered on the street as Michael Fiore is like uh, it's women flirting different. with me. It's honestly women flirting with me. Usually it's usually women yeah. who are like, hi, um, are you like, there's like, there's like, a <laughs> which is cute. It's nice. It's, 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 uh, they're, they're, you know, 19 year old me would be shocked that I, that women would ever like actively flirt with me instead of me having to like beg for attention or whatever else. Cause I was so frustrated and incelly and all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Let's dive into this. Like if, if I wasn't rich, I'd be dead. Yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. you were going down that, that, that celebrity path. You were very yeah. successful with digital romance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you kind and of, my, my head was gigantic, by the way, I was, okay. uh, people that know me well, like if you talk to like Kevin, Ro Kevin Rogers, a good friend of mine, like, he's like, you were a dick back then. I'm like, I was a dick back then. You are. <laughs> um, and it's partly because I was undiagnosed bipolar too, which makes you quite narcissistic. And then also I had people telling me I was the best copywriter in the world. You're a genius. You're all these, like you literally have people just telling you these things. And if you are prone to narcissism at all, well, shit, that is, that is some damn good food for, for that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I was going down that path and then I got hit by Lyme disease, uh, like a truck and that just, yeah. um, stopped life. Uh, really? And, I, I, yeah. And didn't that go undiagnosed for a long time too? It went undiagnosed for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, think okay. I diagnosed when I was 34 and oh. I was, it's, you know, I talked to my friends who've known me for years and there's a joke, like my buddy, Rob Haskell, who was my roommate 20 years ago was joking. He's like, yeah, back then your skin was just gray all the time. And it's true. There's pictures of me where my skin is kind of gray and I was exhausted all the time. And like, I thought I was just lazy. Cause I was like, well, nobody else is exhausted all the time. And I was doing my car wreck injuries and all that kind of crap, kind of crap too. Uh, but yeah, like 20 years. And then it just kind of got to the point that I just, I think I was in a moldy house and then that contributed to everything. And all of a sudden I could barely get out of bed. I was angry all the time. I could only work for maybe an hour or two a day at best. Uh, and yeah. I'm very, 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 very extremely lucky that I had a business that was making money where all, all I, all I did for a couple of years is I would write like 
two products and two sales letters a year. And I was making a couple million bucks a year doing that. Uh, and thank, I don't believe in God, but thank whatever, uh, <laughs> that, that I was able to, that, you know, I threaded the needle really fucking well. Cause it, it, there's plenty of, you know, in the grand multiverse, there are many, many universes in which that didn't happen. And uh, I headed for, I, I either died or ended up on the streets screaming at people like uh, the people I see in Seattle who are homeless and don't get mental health services. Yeah, yeah, 40, 50 hours a week with some like, uh, I don't know, Amazon warehouse shop or something. Yeah, whatever. Would, yeah. That that same illness would have just... There's no way you could, there's like, what can you do? I mean, my wife's been dealing with some uh, really horrible chronic illness stuff for the last several years, which was great. We finally get through my stuff and I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, oh, come on, are you really? <laughs> but there's no way she could have held a job the last four years. There's no way. So like, I mean, if we if I wasn't in a position to be able to pay our bills, I don't know what we would have done or what she would have done. So yeah. it's like, you know, dude, like I'm not a like, like you'll never see me being like, hey, check out my phone. Like no matter how much money I do or do not make, I could make a billion dollars tomorrow. You will never see me out there being like, check out my fucking car and my giant mansion with seven pools and shit like that. I do not care about any of that stuff. Money to me is safety. Money to me is just like, you got to fa- like, you know, the world's hard. <laughs> the world's really fucking hard. And money is pretty much the only thing that makes it easier, unfortunately. Yeah, this. um that's 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 too true. I'm um, so ba- I'm so bad at this like my, like bizop guru thing, <laughs> like <laughs> just like like oh yeah. It's, I'm I'm like no copywriting is hard, marketing is hard. You have to bust your ass. Not everybody can do it. Uh, by the, and no, I, and I don't give a shit about the the flash and dazzle bullshit. <laughs> well, no, it's it's interesting. Like the 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 more success someone has had as a copywriter, the more I hear the exact same thing. Like I remember uh, being impacted in a big way by um, Bill Bonner. Okay. And uh, he he gave a keynote at AWAI like back in 2010, I think it was, because I got to talk to him that time. Um, mm-hmm. And and he said his quote almost matched yours, talking about bleeding out all over the page. Absolutely, and said, it's hard. And, Stephanie, and he said like uh, the 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 first thing that you want to do if you're if you want to start any kind of copywriting project is. Uh, make sure you have your loaded Colt 45 in <laughs> yep. your left desk drawer and yep. a fifth of whiskey uh, or scotch in, in your right yep. desk drawer. And, um, and, and then that's when you proceed to bleed out all over the page because you do. You do. And Carlton calls it gun to the head copy, right? Like what would you write if you had a gun to your head? But it's hard, man. Like, especially, especially when you're new. Oh my God. Those first couple of sales letters I wrote were fucking torture. I, it just was so hard. Yeah. Well, okay. So going, going through that, that process and undiagnosed bipolar going is like going back to being a freelancer. Yeah. What was the experience like for you when you did bleed out all over the page and then you sent your copy into the client and they gave you feedback that wasn't Chris, you're a fucking genius. Uh, It depended who the client was. It really depended. Okay. Yeah. Uh, If it's somebody I respect, I mean, like Jeff Walker was a client of mine, right? And Jeff was a friend of mine and a mentor of mine. And if he was like, I don't think that would be like, okay, well, you know what the hell you're doing and whatever. Uh, If, you know, same thing with uh, Jeff Paul. And I mean, I worked with, I worked for a lot of people that are good marketers, right? In that case, in that case, I mean, I was young and I knew I, I knew I had talent, but I wasn't the shit, right? I didn't really believe in myself. So I was able to be humble enough to do that. It's the, the what, what sucks is when you get the big red document of doom from somebody that has no fucking idea what they're talking about, right? And you're just like, like this is too long. We would never. I'm like, why did you hire me? Why did you give me 15 grand to do this for you if you're just gonna kind of kind of rip it to shreds? I mean, at this point in my career, you know, the, the goal should be to get a big enough reputation and to charge enough that people don't fuck with your copy. 
And this is actually a very important thing. If you do, the less you charge, the more people are going to fuck with your copy, right? Just like yeah. the less somebody pays you in general, the more of a pain in the ass they are. Like people who uh, buy my $47 Texture X-Back products can be a real pain in the ass. People that give me six grand to join the Pig Method program, they're really nice. <laughs> like they're really, really nice. They're really, really respectful, et cetera, because the power dynamic is very different. And they obviously, uh, if they're giving me that amount of, amount of money, it must be because I know what I'm doing, right? Like that kind of thing. Um, so there really is a, a powerful thing to have being able to charge enough that people uh, respect you in that way. I do say in that way a lot. Yeah, I got to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Local yeah. ticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in, um, geez, I'm having, I'm having like a, a complete brain freeze because, okay, it happens. um, the, so if you could, if you, if, if you could go back to mm -hmm. the, uh, cause a lot of people who listen to my podcast are, are newer. I mean, you, you probably know, I, there's, <laughs> there is a, there's a huge contingent of, of people who are becoming copywriters, right? Yeah. And it's um, too bad. I mean, some of them. Here, actually, can I, let me just rant on this for a second. Yes, please. Copywriting is not a biz op. It's not a biz op. Like, I hate that it's being sold as a biz op. I hate that there are people like Alex, what that, whatever his name is, being like, anybody can do this. If you can blah, 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 just swipe this. Like, basically, they're just telling people to go out and steal copy, and that's how you do it, and all that kind of shit. Isn't that, that's not what it is. That's just not what it is. It's hard. No. It's hard. It's work. You will not get to the six-figure mark if you are just like half-ass phoning it in or whatever. It's work. It's going to take you a while to get good. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, also, when, here's another pet peeve of mine that I've been ranting about lately. If you're writing blog posts, you are not a copywriter. You are a content writer. It is a totally different job. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have my own thing that, that distinguishes because you can write a blog post as copy, absolutely right? if, um, if it is meant to be persuasive towards a CTA, et cetera. But, but when it's like content mill stuff, it's a totally different kind of thing. If you're getting paid by the word, you're not a copywriter. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, there's a, there's a business result. I, I rant on this all the time too. It's, mm. it's, um, when, if, if you are trying to write as a writer and you're trying to sell writing, you are not a copywriter. True. If you are selling a business result, whether yeah. that's leads, customer sales, profits, whatever, that is, that's what becomes copy where there is a call to action to generate the result at the end. Yep. Um, so you you've written a, a ton of ESLs and yeah. there's been a lot of I mean I remember getting started and there was always this question should we should we invest in the extra expense of yeah. VSLs because Production. it was all te text on text on page and VSLs seemed like a big thing yeah. um and then and then there was definitely a rise in VSLs because it seemed like anything you put to VSL yeah yeah um, basically you could take any given sales letter make it a VSL and get like a 30% bump at that time at that point yeah yeah um, but but now the advantage of purely media has fallen off, and yet um, when I see or hear a, a Chris Hadded VSL, mm -hmm. um, there is something captured there that doesn't get captured in the in the text. Um, so it's the rhythm. It's the rhythms. Yeah, it, it's it's the rhythms. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm curious. Tell me more. Like, what do you mean by it's the rhythms? It's the way, um, especially letters that I wrote in Keynote, right? Because I did write like language desire in Keynote, which means you can only fit so many words per slide, right? Which actually gives you a certain discipline and whatnot. But 
um, I, the performance is important to me. The person has to know how to read my copy. And if you, if you read it, you'll feel these kind of, I'm a drummer, too. I'm not a very good drummer, but I do play drums to a certain degree. And there's just that, that feel of like being kind of taken along on a path to a certain degree. And also there is a, um, hypnotic quality to what I write on purpose, right? There, I'm, I'm not like an NLP guy. I think a lot of NLP is bullshit. Like the, by now you should have made it like, fuck off. Like that doesn't fuck yeah. off. It's really. not ca it's not casting spells. It's, no, no, you know. no. But it's understanding humans and it's understanding language and that, you know, language is the operating system of the mind and that you can uh, have pretty profound influence that way. But it's a lot of just the I think it's just because my shit feels true to people. You know, it just feels like a human being wrote it. It feels like there's a real even though it's I think my copy is sometimes overly florid and writerly. And I think that is something I, I try to discipline out of myself, but I also like writing fun sentences. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but it, but I it mean, feels like you, yeah. you take like a, a Ben Savinga and, and there was definitely a poetry to, to his Absolutely. writing. There is a Absolutely. poetry to his writing. He's, He's yeah. um, that, that isn't necessarily captured in, in like, a, a you know, 50 headlines formula books or something. No, not at all. Um, yeah. And, and that's because Gary cares, man. You can feel it. You can feel that he cares in his copy. I mean, he, you can feel that he, I mean, Gary is one of the least hypey copywriters, but God, you, the persuasion is so powerful, right? Like it's, it's beautiful yeah. shit, man. Yeah. I, well, I, I remember reading his olive oil letter and, and feeling yeah. like I'd been doing myself a disservice for my entire life by not buying right? fresh pressed olive oil. And you're oil. like, I don't care about olive oil at all, but geez, yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I'm like, realistically, I probably can't tell the difference, but. Oh, but <laughs> in this moment, because there's that poetry and romance and seduction to it. And, you know, I was, yeah. I was talking to people, somebody, who was I talking to yesterday? I was on my podcast with, I forget who I was interviewing yesterday because I do a lot of these things now. But yeah. we were talking about the idea that people don't want to be sold, but I'm like, yeah, but they kind of do want to be seduced, right? They, they yeah. kind of do want to be, especially marketers do, by the way, I love selling to marketers and copywriters because selling to marketers and copywriters, when they, 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 they figure out what you're doing, but they just want to buy more because they did. Right. They're like, Oh yeah, you just this thing with this cool technique that, blah, blah, blah. and then they, then they, they're even more sold at that point, instead of getting angry about it. It's really cute. And they, 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 they try to dissect the game and then they come yeah, along it's beautiful. for the game. Well, dude, yes. when I did my launch for the pig method, my original launch for the pig method, I got so many people to join my group just because they were like, quote unquote, wanted to watch and learn from the launch. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. how, how cool is that? That your cut, that your pre-launch content can be the launch itself. Like that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think you and Jeff Walker, are, um, yeah. basically in that, in that Jeff's crew. Yeah, Jeff, I mean, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff taught me a lot back in the day. He's a great guy. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that interest in hypnosis and NLP thing is, is mm -hmm. interesting. Cause I have, I have my own, like uh, my own subscriptions to like yeah. hypnotists, people who teach hypnotism. Sure. Um, do, you know, do you know Igor Ludikowski by any chance? I I'm familiar with him. Um, he was a client of mine way back in the day. And, um, he and his partner, I'm forgetting his name, uh, came to Seattle to teach like a six day, uh, workshop on like therapeutic hypnosis basically. And they invited me to come down cause I was writing a letter for them. So I spent six days kind of in that. And I think that was very useful <laughs> years later. Yeah. It, taught, it taught me a lot about, also I was good at it. Like there were people that were there who were like, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, <laughs> Two, two, two days. And they're like, and like, well, they literally got mad at me for it. Right. And it's like, I was like, yeah, but I think it just, it was because it's so similar to what I was already doing as far as the writing goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, with with hypnosis, there's a there there there's a fascination with um, you know either either direct hypnosis or indirect hypnosis, all yeah. the storytelling stuff. If you yeah. if you study like Milton Erickson, he almost yep. never well. He became a master of direct hypnosis, but my understanding is 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 later. I mean, it just became all conversational. It became, hey, I'm going to tell you the story, and absolutely. You know, and thirty minutes later, you wake yeah. up. Yeah. And I think I've, I've I think I've just inter- I mean, I've, I haven't really studied NLP beyond that kind of hypnosis thing, but I was I did a lot of that kind of that stuff. But I think I just. Um, I've internalized some of it. And it's the same thing with like dirty talk, right? I've looked at products on dirty talk and that's the same thing about hypnosis. It's about like giving, you know what it is? People don't want to make decisions. People don't want to think. And so if you can do it for them, they really like you. And if you can kind of like create, I almost try to create a new voice in the head, right? Like we've all got that yeah. voice in our head and I want my voice to be the voice in your head now, instead of the voice that you normally have there. Basically. Okay. As, as you're doing that, going back to something you said in the beginning, you talked about like, uh, all, all your, all your stories are done as the, the first person or most of your stories are done. Yeah. Occasionally a, not, but I, I like, right. Even when I'm, even when I'm writing about a third person thing, I'm writing as the person writing about that. Like it's, I, I'm on the inside of the person who's telling the story in that case, as opposed to the actual story. And it's about like, say it's a doctor, right? And they're talking about a, a, a patient of theirs and talking about their story, but it's about what the doctor is feeling about that, that motivates the doctor then want to go off and create a supplement or whatever else. Interesting. So, um, that, I mean, that, that, that informs, not just language choices, but how you're going to react to something. So if I'm writing from the outside and I'm, I'm a doctor telling the story of this person, right. Um, then, then I'm just going to say, um, this person did this and this thing happened and they, they took this and this was the cure. No, what you would do is you would say, you would talk about the guy, uh, so, you know, um, say your best friend from college, who was always the strongest, uh, athlete you knew, and then he went off to war and, uh, he actually became a soldier for the U S military and he joined the Marines and he, he ended up doing all this kind of stuff. And then he got, uh, injured in some way and he came back and he comes to your office one day and he's just tired. And this guy that you always thought was the, the biggest, most masculine man you've ever seen suddenly is like, you know, kind of shrunk into himself. And it turns out he has low testosterone and you need to help this guy get back to being who he was, but you're, so you're telling his story, but you're talking about your, it's your story of him. Right. At that yeah. Point. Well, I, I was, I was trying to, to contrast with, with, with that method. So, so that it allows you to like have the emotional reaction of the doctor of like yeah. the, yeah. Oh, I remember this guy when he was so like, just physically incredible. Like I remember yeah. whatever situation from when we were kids growing up yeah. and now like I see him and there's such a transformation and like, I have this big emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are there markets where, um, where maybe you've trained copywriters and they're they've had struggles with doing something like that. Like I've I've done a ton of work in in financial, yeah. and there's this 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 bias. I, I hate financial, financial copy, by the way. I'm very happy that I've okay. mostly avoided ever touching it over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bias that you know you can't be emotional with financial, and yet I remember uh, one of my early clients, Casey Research. One of their most successful front end promos was my mom's IRA. And yeah, of course it was. <laughs> and it, and it was about this guy, like, this is how I invest in my mom's IRA. Like, these are the companies that I invest That's beautiful. in. That's why. beautiful. I mean, money is one of the most emotional topics in the world, right? Like, I mean, I was talking, I, I had a friend uh, commit suicide a month and a half ago or so, and oh it was largely because he lost all his money in crypto, right? Like he, he, he spiked his, he went from like, I think 2 million to 40 million or something like that. And then he lost everything. 
And it wasn't the money, it wasn't losing the money that made him want to jump off his fucking balcony. It was the shame that he's the one that did it, right? That it yeah. was the shame. I'm going to get teary here because I love the guy. Um, but it was the shame that he was responsible for that, that I think is that what, what causes people to say, like with my car wreck thing years ago, it was all my fault. And that was the hardest part of it. That was the most painful thing beyond the physical pain was the, I did this to myself. Yeah. Yeah. That, that feeling of, of I screwed up is, yeah. is so often, yeah. um, something that, that it, it, we, we want to, we want to run away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want escape. We want freedom from it. And the hard part and, is being able to, and one thing I've worked really hard in my life is being, is taking responsibility, right? Like being yeah. really, like, that was me. That's my, my faults. Um, even with people who I've hurt in the past, you know, when I came out of my bipolar fugue, I made a lot of apologies. <laughs> so <laughs> do you have, do you have any like practices, uh, like I, I think meditation, journaling, that sort of thing, which yeah. I do on a regular basis, um, uh, therapy, anything that have helped you kind of connect with these things for yourself. I do a lot of yoga. Um, I'm not, again, I am one of the least spiritual people you'll ever find in your life. I don't yeah. believe in all the, the stuff, but I do believe in uh, the silence and the space. I'm learning how to be present. I spend a lot of time uh, just, I don't do like formal meditation, but I do things that are meditative quite often uh, just to like center myself and spend time there. I spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time just gaining self-awareness over the years too, like learning how to, um, I think the most beautiful thing you can do is learn to accept yourself. Right. And that doesn't mean, and I grew up in like Catholic in Massachusetts, where it's just like, if there's anything wrong with you, everything is wrong with you. Right. Oh, you were born. Therefore something is wrong. Yeah, with absolutely. You. Absolutely. Right. Like, but if you ever, but you also, you can never admit you ever did anything wrong because then you're a piece of shit. Right. It's like, you either need to be perfect or you need to be not much like my ex-wife would actually kind of say, um, I forget where I was going with it, but either way, it's just, uh, the, the, I, what I really try to teach people is how to be more honestly yourself and how to look at your demons and not be afraid of them and how to understand that everyone else is going through that as well. And that's the, and like pain is a power, right? Pain is a power. Having gone through, I've been through my own shit. You've been through your shit. I know what it's like to be in literal agony for years at a time, like crying in bed, uh, begging any, like being willing to give everything you have. And that sucks, but man, it's useful, right? Like it sucked at yeah. the time. It sucks to have gone through it, but it, the compensation is, I understand that shit and I can empathize with people in a very powerful way. And you, everybody's been through your, whether it's physical pain or whatever else, we all have all been hurt. So, yeah, my, my very first, uh, YouTube video for anything where I was just talking about business was we're all fucked up, broken and insecure. Absolutely. And I think it, there Absolutely. was, there was, there was a realization there that like, uh, I don't know, just, just like, uh, the, the, the realization struck me that, uh, we've all been through something like that. And the, the crazy thing that happens is when you realize that about your, not just yourself, but everybody, that uh, we all have our own traumas. We all have our own Absolutely. background. You're, um, not you're not special. I'm not, I talk yeah. about this a lot too. You're not special and that's awesome. I'm not special. Nobody is fucking special. We all go through this. So, so like the barriers to say talking to a CEO or some successful business owner or whatever, the, there are some competency challenges, right? Sure. Like you can't necessarily come from nowhere and have this realization and, and then say, oh, you run, you know, $10,000 a day in ads. I can be your copywriter, mm -hmm. right? Like that's not going to automatically make you that, but yeah. you, you're going to be less anxious about talking to the person who has the capability to run $10,000 a day in ads. Um, or, you're gonna, or, or a million dollars a day in ads. I know people that or, run hundreds of thousands of dollars a day in ads. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the difference between them, between them and the rest of everybody else, 
What's they, that? Just bigger numbers. <laughs> like it's the same. The math is the same. That it's bigger numbers and having the balls to go out and do it usually. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to commit to the bigger test budget. Yeah, um, totally. And you can get funds. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Uh, let's 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 start the wrap up as we're reaching. But we're just getting the... started, Roy. Come I know. On. I know. <laughs> um, this this is the fun stuff, but each of yeah, us have sure. other things to do. Absolutely. Um. So if someone wants to be much better at cover, and 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 this is kind of a setup for your call to action, Absolutely, but it's, yeah. it's also like zooming back before we get into the call to action, mm -hmm. um, like principles and strategies. Um, if someone wants to be much better at copywriting for client projects or their own business, what's the single biggest thing that you'd recommend that they focus on? Study psychology, man. It's all psychology. Like study, actually, here's the thing. Study copy, but also study persuasion. Like this is what we do. We are not, I think the, the copywriting ghetto is a problem for me personally, right? Because I'm yeah. very good at a, as a copywriter. And I'm very well known as a copywriter, but I'm also very successful as a entrepreneur, info marketer, things like that, right? And it can be difficult when people are just like, oh, you're you're the copy guy. But I'm like, no, I know a lot about persuasion and I, I can teach you webinar shit. I can teach you all, all sorts of stuff and it can be very easy to get stuck in that thing. But like, it's everything that you learn, sales training, everything, that all kind of goes into it. Learning the basics of psychology and the deeper stuff about cognitive biases. You want to get really good at copy, go learn cognitive biases uh, up and down, left and right. There's a great book. It's a giant green book. I think it just says cognitive biases on it or something on the front of it. It is well worth checking out. Another great book in that regard is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Absolutely. Conrad. I love that one. He won, yeah. he won a Nobel Prize for work on cognitive biases yeah, and yeah, behavioral yeah. economics. It's beautiful. Um, stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, fascinating to learn all the ways that are, that are, our, uh, our brains try to shortcut and, and like it, it helped us survive, right? It, it helped us survive yeah, to yeah. have all these shortcuts. Right. But at the same well, time, like, they, listen, I'm, not, I'm not religious, but I understand why evolution made human beings religious. Right. Like why, <laughs> why it was, I, I don't believe in any of it. I think it's actually problematic as far as how it affects the world, especially these days, these days. But I totally get why having those kind of unifying things that allow you to control or persuade people to do kind of things is very, very valuable, right? It's useful. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that, that could be a whole separate conversation be. going, going back to like myth, like why do, how did the belief that there was some power creating the thunder in the sky? Yeah. Um, because human Help beings us. are, always, we, we look for patterns, right? We are pattern seeking yeah. animals. Like look at all the conspiracy theories that you see, even like there's like, they just, they, they're everywhere at this point. The misinformation is everywhere. And it's because we're always looking for simple answers, right? Like we, yeah. complex answers are terrifying. We always want the simplest answers we can kind of find. And so our brains will create these patterns and create these answers, you know, confirmation bias. When you look at people who are like, here's all the proof the election was stolen. I'm like, none of that is proof, but your brain is telling you it is because you want yeah. it to be, but it's not. Yeah. Your brain is telling you it is because you want it to be. I think about confirmation bias every day. It's, it's <laughs> huge. It's one of the biggest, yeah. most, I mean, it is a, we all do it, right? But the, the key yeah. I think is to be aware of it and to try to, um, try to try to make adjustments for it. That's what scientists do. It's like you try to create control so your confirmation bias is not involved. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, obviously there's, there's so much more that could be learned from you. Um, if somebody wants to go deeper, yeah. um, obviously you have the podcast, which they can subscribe to. Also there's the pig yep. mm -hmm. Um, what are they going to get? How do they sign up? I'll make sure there's links in the description because yep. I'm a good YouTuber and podcaster. Yep. Um, so 
what do they get? What's the best place to connect with you? So, so go to thepigmethod.com, uh, which is yes. spelled exactly how it is, and go in there, opt in. You'll get to see a video where I uh, tell you a story, and I and you will not understand why I'm I am telling you that story for the first six or seven minutes or so, and I will even say. Why am I telling you this story? And at the end of it, you will know why I'm telling you the story. And yes, I will also try to get you to get on a phone call to see if you're the right person to get into my program and things like that. But you will learn a lot about um, why, why emotions and why stories about things that seem irrelevant to the topic at hand can be extremely powerful in your copy, if that makes any sense. That's, that's to me that that makes a ton of sense. And, and yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's, it's about finding the, 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 the message behind the message. There's kind yeah. of an inception element that goes on there too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. So go to the pig method.com. Um, what's the best way for them to find the the podcast too? Uh, the Chris Haddad show.com or just look for okay. Chris Haddad on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. Uh, we're 30 something episodes in. It's a weird show. Uh, it is, a very casual, it's going to be similar to what we do kind of do here because these are the conversations I like to have, but basically I just get my friends on or people I know, uh, Rory Sutherland, who's a big deal at Ogilvy Advertising did one. And I just talk to people for an hour to an hour and a half. And we just see where the conversation goes. Sometimes it's about marketing. Sometimes it's about pro wrestling or whatever, but it all, uh, uh, it is not a, like, here's three ways to write a headline show. It is a, let's talk to people about the journey they went through to become successful, the failures they went through, the pain they go through now. Uh, my buddy Scott Rewick and I did one called, um, uh, uh, what's, you know, how to be successful when your wife hates you. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes, uh, which is about the things that people don't talk about in entrepreneurship that go on beyond I, the scenes. I listened to that episode and it was yeah. excellent. It was excellent. Um, all right. So I'll include the links in the description to the pigmethod.com and the chrishadadshow.com. Mm -hmm. And, um, Chris, thank you so much for being on breakthrough marketing secrets. Yeah. Happy to be here, my friend. Nice to meet you. Absolutely. I, one of my favorite things about podcasting is like, it's the greatest networking tool known to man. It is like, there's nothing like, cause you can get almost, you can get a lot of people to show up for it, to be a, interviewed for a podcast that you could never get on the phone regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, it, it works very well for that. So it was, it was great to finally meet you. We are the Venn diagram of our absolutely. networks overlaps. Many, many, many people and many, many people. Yeah. Yes. And to everyone who's uh, stuck with us, I, I hope you got a ton of value out of this. I, I know that I did, and I took a ton of notes. Um, and thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I'll catch you again next time. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.